Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. The LSU men's basketball team started off SEC play with authority, didn't they? Remember? Got that win against number nine ranked Arkansas at home inside the PMAC. Signature win for Matt McMahon in year one at the helm of the Tigers. And then fought hard on the road in Rupp Arena against Kentucky. But it was still a loss. And this Kentucky team, as we found out, isn't very good this year. Then they get humbled by Texas A&M on Saturday. But last night was supposed to be a bounce-back game. Florida rebuilding year one of its head coach. And they've been on the struggle bus all season long. Barely a 500 ball club. Now, to be fair to Florida... Played a tough schedule, but still, one rebuilding program facing off against another rebuilding program. And the Gators were the ones that were better last night. 67-56 to victory inside the PMAC. Gators improved to 9-7 and overall, 2 in the SEC. LSU drops to 12-4 and overall, third straight loss. And now one and three in the SEC. And it's only going to get more difficult. Good morning. Welcome to RP3 and Company. On this warm Wednesday morning, January the 11th. Gotta love January weather in southwest Louisiana. Cold, frigid. One day. Next day. Short weather. That's how it works. We got a great show lined up for you today. Ron Higgins will join us at 7.30 to talk all things LSU. 8 o'clock, Jay Walker after a few weeks off, deservingly so. The voice of the Louisiana Raging Cajuns will hop on to talk men's basketball. And then Andrew Juge will help us put an explanation point on the Saints season for the Big Easy Blitz. Those are the three guests we got lined up today, and we're going to tackle a slew of different topics as well. Big special weekend coming up for the McNeese men's basketball team yet again. Some news concerning one of the most beloved mascots in Raging Cajun history. And more Raging Cajuns basketball talk as well, and New Orleans Saints talk. Hotline's always open. You know that. We'd love to hear from you. 337-706-0111. That's 
That's 337-706-0111. And, of course, we'll also unveil our foodie poll question of the week, which is our poll question of the day every single Wednesday. But we've got to start off with LSU. We knew this season was going to be a struggle. Matt McMahon taking over a program still under NCAA investigation. We still haven't found out what the exact punishment's going to be for the men's basketball program at LSU. Remember, that still hasn't been done. We know there's going to be some sort of punishment. We know it's more than likely going to be a postseason ban because that's what they typically do in particular with basketball programs that have violations. Historically speaking, that's what happens. But as it stands right now, January the 11th, we still don't know what the punishment is. And the way the NCAA drags its feet, it may not decide to punish LSU until, I don't know, 2024. So there's a very good possibility that even in year number one of the Matt McMahon era, that the LSU Tigers could make it to the NCAA tournament. But not if they keep playing like they've been playing the last three games. We know this roster has its limitations. I've said it over and over again. This roster is a mid-major roster. And what I mean by that is that it's filled up with a bunch of guys who are starters from mid-major programs or would-be starters at mid-major programs. LSU does not have the talent on its roster like Tennessee does or Alabama does or even Kentucky does. They just don't. And you can win games by coaching your kids up, and that's what Matt McMahon has done all season long. Now, they didn't play a bunch of world beaters in the non-conference schedule because they wanted to build up some confidence, right? They wanted to get to a point where they were feeling good about themselves. So they went 11-1 and in the non-conference slate. And then they start off with an impressive win against Arkansas. Arkansas had a bad night. LSU took advantage. Win for the Tigers. But they've looked lost the last couple games. And losing last night to a bad Florida team could be a harbinger of things to come. The Tigers may have peaked with that win against Arkansas. Because the schedule is only going to get more challenging, more daunting. Because they got to play the likes of Tennessee and Auburn and Alabama and all of them. That's still on the schedule. They still got to play Arkansas a second time. And the Razorbacks will be looking to avenge that loss. It's not to say that LSU is not going to have a winning record. It's not to say that LSU can't or won't be able to beat some of those teams. But the challenges and the restrictions from the way the roster is is going to make it a daunting enterprise game in, game out for Matt McMahon's team. Florida comes in, and here's a crazy thing. They only had one starter scoring double digits. They only had two players total score in double figures last night. Their leading scorer was Castleton with 18. That's it. 
The rest of the starters for Florida, seven, five, three, eight. Typically, if you hold a team to only having one of its starters score in double figures, and that's under 20, you're more than likely going to win that ballgame. I mean, honestly. Now, Reeves came off the bench and gave the Gators 11 points. But it's not as if Florida came in and shot the lights out inside the PMAC last night. They shot 39.6%. That's it. They shot a measly 20% from three-point range. They were 5 of 25. They jacked up threes that didn't go in. This was not an offensive dominant Florida Gator performance last night inside the PMAC. LSU's defense did a fairly good job. You hold the opposition to 20% uh, shooting from three, hold it to under 40% shooting from the field, only give up one starter in double-figure scoring, you give yourself a chance to win that ball game. But this is where having a mid-major roster in the SEC comes in, particularly offensively. LSU had one player scoring double figures. That was K.J. Williams, who's really good. 23 points. He was the game's leading scorer. 23 points. 8 of 20. He was 1 for 9 from three-point range. Not only did they not have another player score in double figures, the next highest scoring player for the Tigers was eight points. Eight. Miller chipped in eight. Fountain chipped in eight. That's it. The other starters gave them three and four points. Woof. They had two guys come off the bench and give them, wait for it, combined for 16 minutes, no points. That's not winning basketball. The limitations of this team's roster, of its talent, is going to play a role. It's what's going to keep this team out of ball games, And this one hurts because this was a winnable game. This one's going to hurt for LSU because this was not a quality opponent. LSU shot 32.2% from the field in last night's ballgame. 17.9 from three-point range. They were 5 of 28. That means they missed 23 of their three-point attempts. You thought Florida didn't play winning basketball with their numbers. No, no. LSU said, hold my beer. We got this. And this is a knock. Not a knock on Matt McMahon because the roster is what it is. That's why I think the Arkansas win is going to be proven to be the high point of the season. I could be wrong. This team could rally. This team could maybe beat Alabama, who looks to be the best team in the SEC, or Tennessee, or Auburn. Auburn comes to town next week, I do believe. They could still play up and beat one of those other 
nationally ranked top 10 NCAA Sweet 16 Elite 8 teams. They could still do that, absolutely. Because that's how basketball works. But when you look at the schedule, they've lost three straight. Kentucky, A&M, Florida. Texas A&M is not great this season either. Kentucky's not great this season either. Florida is rebuilding. That's the thing that I don't want to say is alarming but could give you pause if you're an LSU men's basketball fan is going, okay, this is a down year for Kentucky. Lost to them. This is a down year for Texas A&M. Lost to them. Florida is down and is rebuilding. Lost to them. And then what's up next? Number four ranked Alabama comes to... Nope, that's in Tuscaloosa. At Alabama on Saturday. Number four ranked team in the country. Then at home at the PMAC next week versus number 21 ranked Auburn. And then on Saturday versus number three... Or I'm sorry, number five ranked Tennessee. Then at number 15, Arkansas. Then there's the SEC Big 12 challenge against Texas Tech. Oh, and then it's at number 20, Missouri. Then back home versus Alabama. You hear a lot of wins in that stretch? That's a gauntlet. It gets easier for LSU once you get past that gauntlet because then it's Georgia, South Carolina, Vanderbilt, Ole Miss, Missouri, Florida. Play Florida a second time. They're rebuilding. Ole Miss, it looks like the longtime coach there, Kermit, could be on his way out. It feels like he's on the hot seat. South Carolina, first-year head coach, Georgia's down. So the schedule in the last six games kind of is a far more favorable for LSU. But now they've lost three straight, and it's Alabama, Auburn, Tennessee, Arkansas, Texas Tech, Missouri, Alabama in the next seven games. Six of those teams are ranked in the top 20. Could be tough sledding here and some growing pains for Matt McMahon's team. But once again, even though they've dropped three straight games and two of those were against opponents that were not great by a stretch of the imagination, we've seen what they do when they get hot and the other team's having an off night, they can beat a top 10 ranked team. So this is what you're going to have to deal with if you're an LSU fan the rest of the way is that they're going to be frustrating, they're going to lose games, and you're going to be like, oh, and then they're going to turn around and they're going to beat a team they shouldn't. And they're probably going to do it one or two more times. But once again, this is what happens when you're playing in the SEC with all the talent and the depth of talent in the conference and you have a roster that's a mid-major roster. It's just tough. You have to play your absolute best game, and you have to have the opponent screw up to be able to get a win. That's what they did against Arkansas. That's what they're going to have to hope to do in Tuscaloosa on Saturday and then the rest of the way. we got to take a timeout. More RP3 and company coming up. We're going to stay on the hardwood Found out some interesting news last night about the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. No, not what they're doing actually on the court with the teams, 
but one of the more beloved figures in Cajun history is coming back for a one-night affair. We're going to tell you all about it next right here on the game southwest louisiana sports station and your home for the lsu tigers and the world series champion houston astros a recent survey discovered that game listeners prefer our station than going to the dentist take that dental hygiene this is the game 1037 lafayette and 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana's sports station Lafayette Marble and Granite offers the largest selection of granite quartz and marble here in Acadiana, and they appreciate the opportunity to earn your business. And trust me, that's what they want to do. That's what they did with yours truly. My wife and I had that big bathroom remodel project going on. Couldn't find the right marble for the bathroom. She wanted a particular cut. She wanted it to look a certain way, the whole nine yards. Thankfully, we found Lafayette Marble and Granite not only did they have the marble we wanted, the cut that my wife wanted, guess what? Customer service was top-notch. Prices didn't break the bank either. And look, they're more than just show-stopping marble countertops for your kitchens, bathrooms, and man caves. LMG also has a great selection of custom shower builds with their new line of grout-free showers. Make sure to visit their website, lmgelite.com. That's lmgelite.com to learn more about all the sensational services and the tremendous products they have to offer. Live inventory is updated every single Wednesday. Visit lmgelite.com or stop by their renovated showroom located right there on I-49 North across from Hub City Ford and the Jockey Lot. It's Lafayette Marble and Granite. They're looking to earn your business, and trust me, Chris and his team, earn it, they will. Great news in the world of Raging Cajuns men's basketball. Yes, they're on a two-game winning streak. Yes, they have a couple of games on the road this week that they should win and keep that momentum going towards the postseason. And we'll talk more about that when Jay Walker, the voice of the Raging Cajuns, joins us later on on today's show. But what a talk about what's happening. Big event. The most beloved mascot in Louisiana Raging Cajun history. The fabulous Cajun chicken is coming back for a one-night-only affair. That's right. The most beloved mascot in athletics history for the Raging Cajuns. They still talk about him dressing up like Elvis. They still talk about him breaking out his dance moves, entertaining the fans with his in-game comedy and timeout sketches. They kept every fan, both old and young, laughing for years. Is coming back for the Louisiana Raging Cajuns men's basketball game against the Marshall Thundering Herd on February 4th inside the Cajun Dome. It's going to be senior night. And after 20 years away from the court and entertaining the fans, the fabulous Cajun chicken is going to be coming back. What? Let's go. Let's go. I have so many people talk to me about the fabulous Cajun chicken. Older fans that remember it, 
people that are my age that were kids when they remember going to the Cajun Dome and seeing the Cajuns play, and they always remember the Cajun Chicken entertaining the kids and entertaining them, doing his sketches, dancing, and yet he went away. And they tried to do other mascots, right? There was the actual, like, Cajun man that they did for a short time, and then there was Cayenne, who they retired and killed off. (laughs) So... You know, they haven't had anything. But I think it's great that they're having it on senior night. It's against a quality opponent as well, so it'll be a good game against Marshall. It's senior night. And uh, Russell Heim, who, of course, portrayed the fabulous Cajun chicken, he now lives in Houston, said, when I heard it was senior night, I said, great, I'm a senior citizen now, so I thought it was nice to be honored like that. He said in a statement. Oh, man. Now, for those of you that are too young to remember, and of course, Foot is going to remember this, and Jay will remember this as well. He Heim made his debut as the Cajun Chicken inside Blackham Coliseum in 1984 before moving to the Cajun, Cajun Dome with the team two, two years later. So they've only been playing in the Cajun Dome since 1986. So the Cajun Chicken, the fabulous one, began entertaining crowds when they were still playing in Blackham, which I believe they probably should play in now, but that's just me. Save up the money, do a fundraiser. You can have rodeo events inside the Blackham Coliseum. You're telling me you can't get a court configuration in there and host basketball games? Smaller venue, it'd be loud, it'd be a home court advantage. Just throwing it out there. During his 20 years, the Cajun Chicken became a staple with unique sketches, send-ups, and crazy antics both on the inlines and in the stands, from impersonating celebrities to eavesdropping on opposing teams' huddles, the Cajun chicken did it all. The fabulous one is coming back. Oh, the chicken, now 20-plus years later, qualifies for Medicare and has had two knee replacements. Can the fabulous Cajun chicken do all the crazy things he used to do? When asked... He said, I guess people have to come and find out. My man's ready. He's ready to don the costume and come out there and entertain the folks on February 4th. See, it's good to have this type of kind of just silliness, fun during a game. It doesn't have to be all just seriousness about the game. It's okay to have a little fun. Get a little Harlem Globetrotters antics into a game with the fans, keep them entertained. We talk all about the time. How do you get more attendance for sporting events? How do you make it fun? How do you get people to come and come to the event instead of watching it on their phone or watching it at home on the television? It's stuff like this. It seems silly. Guy dressed up in a chicken costume. Yeah, but it works. Guarantee you the crowd will be good on February 4th. Kids will have fun because there's a guy dressed up like a chicken dancing. Other people that may not be all that interested in the actual basketball game action but want to support the team but kind of want to be entertained. Guess what? The fabulous Cajun chicken does that. It's not hard. People just want to be entertained. That's all it is. They're bringing them out for one night only. Let's go. Let's go, fabulous Cajun chicken. We'll talk more about the fabulous one with Jay Walker, of course. 
I bet you Jay's excited. Just saying. Just throwing it out there. We have a poll question of the day to unveil to you. On Wednesdays, it's our foodie poll question of the week. And our foodie poll question of the week this week on this lovely Wednesday is inspired by an on-air comment made by Miss Hannah Five Names for our foodie poll question of the week last week where she talked about her desire to put shredded cheese on things and on her spaghetti, but then revealed that she likes to put shredded cheese on red beans and rice. She also likes to eat her red beans and rice out of a can. This caused some buzz with many of you with your comments. So that inspired us for our foodie poll question of the week for today. Do you put shredded cheese on red beans and rice? Yes, it's delicious, which of course will be Hannah's vote, even though she hasn't voted yet because there's no votes for it yet. Or no, I am not crazy. Right now, 100% of you say, no, I'm not crazy. JPK, the OD says, please, Please stop this madness. This isn't a Cajun thing, not a Creole thing, nor a Louisiana thing, not even a crazy West Bank thing. It's a crazy thing. For the love of Ricky Bobby, sweet little baby Jesus, please just stop. And he shared a gif of Phoebe from Friends will stop the madness. John Paul Cajun Daddy says, I must say I've never tried it before. Don't think I would want to either. I put it on chili all the time and eat red beans over cornbread, just never had them with cheese. Blaine Viator, friend of the show, sometimes guest host, says, this can't be real. <laughs> Richie on Twitter says, easy one for me, I don't eat cheese. Keep those votes coming on our foodie poll question of the week, which is our poll question of the day on Wednesdays. Do you put shredded cheese on red beans and rice? Yes, it's delicious, or no, I'm not crazy. Those are your options as someone just gently threw her phone down on the counter in the producer's studio. You say these things. I, you open up the microphone and say <laughs> these things. He's not talking about me. That's all it is. We love talking about you, five names. Yeah. I'm like the best. You, I'm the queen of the castle. You are the best. You are definitely the queen of the castle. And you're definitely the queen of the castle when it comes to putting cheese on things that don't need cheese put on them. I don't put it on the ones that you like soak and stuff. I don't put it on those kind of red beans. Just on the blue runner red beans. That's it. It's still, first of all, the fact that you're eating red beans out of a can is... It's quick. It's easy. No, no. Your body deserves better. You deserve better. You deserve to treat yourself better <laughs> than canned red beans and rice. Everyone does. I wouldn't wish on my enemy to have to eat red beans and rice out of a can. And it's what I grew up on, so. No! And as my mom said on last week's poll question... And when the boys brought up putting tomatoes in gumbo, which I don't do that, by the way. I don't put tomatoes in gumbo. I don't make gumbo because I don't know how to make gumbo, but I don't put tomatoes in my gumbo. <laughs> First of all, Martin. Oh, man. But my mom says from my dad's side. My dad doesn't make that either. So, you're welcome. So, keep voting on our poll question of the day. 
Do you put shredded cheese on red beans and rice? Yes, it's delicious. No, I'm not crazy. Please leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter, and we will share them throughout today's show. We got to take a timeout. But when we return here on RP3 and Company, we're going to shift gears and talk about the New Orleans Saints. Got to hear from more players in their exit interviews with the media. We'll share those with you. That's coming up next right here on The Game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update. Presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. been every year since I got into the league. I expected to win every game with Drew Brees. I expected to win every game with Teddy Bridgewater and the likes. This season will be no different. I think we had potential that we clearly did not capitalize on. You say you missed some players that you traded away or went off to free agency, but that's every year you see something like that. You have to be able to find a way to to win. You think this year we were, we were at the very beginning of the year, you saw Atlanta game when you have a, a fully healthy wide receiver core, fully healthy line. Everything clicks the right way. You can put up some high points. Then guys go down with injury. Guys, you know, whatever that is, rotate in and out on the offensive line as well. Uh, that stability doesn't bode well for a team that has a, you know, a new head coach trying to figure things out. That's sort of, you know, a bug that sort of affected us this last two seasons, you say. Oh, well, when the Saints are healthy, time with the Saints get healthy. Um, now we're heading the off season, and hopefully next year, you say, you know, we're going to have just as much or even more potential uh, from this team's roster because I think this team had a lot of potential. Again, we just didn't capitalize upon it. Cam Jordan, one of the best to ever wear the black and gold, talking about the season, looking ahead. And, and once again, injuries played a role, back-to-back years of them missing the playoffs. Roster depth is also an issue for this team, back-to-back years. And... You know, you heard him say, you know, new head coach trying to figure things out. Injuries here and there, but there's no excuses. I expect us to win every game we play. So that's the right message, the right tone for the offseason for the Saints, for sure. That's what you want to hear. That you're not making excuses. You're acknowledging the fact that injuries did play a role, but you still expect to go out there, and he said it perfectly, I expected to win every game I, I played with Drew Brees. I expected every win game that we had Teddy Bridgewater, whoever was out there. We expect to win. And we didn't live up to our potential. And now that he's had a couple days to look back, this is what the veteran team captain, multiple pro bowler, all pro pass rusher for the Saints had to say after looking over the season. An organization blank. It's another thing to say, hey, you know, you're not trying to rock the boat, still trying to keep some of the same infrastructure, the, uh, the same thing that kept this organization propelled going forward. Uh, so he, you know, made it his own, but it took a little while. Um, I think you saw the more comfortable he got with the offense as well as the defense, as well as whatever Rose was, more comfortable the team sort of started looking. I wouldn't say we're perfect. I wouldn't say, you know, by any means of like, oh, you know, put anything on the head coach, you'd say in this season of going against seven and 10, 
there was games that we could have won. And that's on players, because at the end of the day, players have to take between, take between the field and uh, take whatever blank game plan is given and, and make it work. He's talking about Dennis Allen settling in there as the head coach. But once again, you notice he didn't blame his coach. He said at the end of the day, it's on the players. That's what you want to hear from a veteran guy, a guy whose voice carries loudly in that locker room. Because he's letting everyone know, hey, yeah, we know, and the players aren't stupid. They know they weren't better prepared, as prepared as they needed to be, especially early in the season. They knew that they weren't game planning properly, that they weren't being coached properly. They also know that they probably themselves breathed and relaxed a little too much because DA's coaching style as a head coach is different than Sean. Sean was a taskmaster, will be on top of you. Hey, you didn't do this right. Get it done. Get it done. Work at it. Work at it. He was, you know, on top of you. DA is not that guy. So did that maybe get a little too relaxed because of that? Yeah. That was part of it as well, especially early in the season. The defense finally got their act together in the final five to six weeks of the year. But it took until week 12 for that to happen. Even though it was a disappointing year, they do have some potential. They have some guys. And let's start on the defensive side of the football. And a guy that I believe the Saints should make a priority to sign. Let Marcus Davenport walk with his half sack. Guy's never lived up his potential. Can never stay healthy, and when he is healthy, he's not nearly the guy that he is. This was a contract year, and the guy was not an impact player. But you know who was? Carl Granderson. And Carl was a bright spot in the front seven. He showed his potential. He stepped up when this team needed someone with Peyton Turner out and Davenport not a factor. Carl Granderson was a guy up front that you could depend on, and... He was asked, did you prove something to yourself or to the team or to the league this year with your play? No, nah, I've got a lot to prove. Um, I feel like it was flashes of, you know, I can be a good player, but like I said, I missed out on a lot of uh, plays, and, and I'm not satisfied, you know, but um, I'm thankful I made it through the season uh, healthy. Uh, I just got to come back bigger and stronger. He played well. I think that's a pleasant surprise for the Saints, for the big defensive end, number 96, how he played. He's always looked the part. He's six foot five, 261 pounds. Big kid out of Wyoming. He's only 26 years old. So he's still kind of coming into his own, so to speak. And a unit that needed someone to step up opposite of Cam Jordan. I think they got it. I mean, I I just feel like they got production out of him. 53 tackles, 26 of them solo, five and a half sacks. Started four games, played in 16. This is a guy that could be a good rotational piece or a guy that's maybe blossoming and developing into a starter for this team. If I'm the Saints, I'm all about getting Carl Granderson under contract. And locking him up and saying bye to Marcus Davenport. Carl was asked, hey, you had a good year, a breakout year. But Carl Granderson's also contract year. Are you coming back next year? 
Yeah, I'll be back for sure. Yeah, I love it here. You know, um, the culture, the family, brotherhood, the city and the fans. I love it here, so I'll be back, definitely. Guy wants to be back. Guy had a breakout year. It's not going to break the bank to get Carl Granderson on a multi-year contract either. You get a guy that wants to be here, that didn't take plays off, that actually seized his opportunity and didn't waste it. Yeah, that's a guy that needs to be part of this locker room. And here's the other thing. He can continue being mentored and developed by Cam Jordan. He's only 26. Only 26. If you start off next season with Cam Jordan and and Carl Granderson as your starting defensive ends, I think you're okay. I think Saints fans would take that all day long. As good as Carl was for the Saints this year, was there another rookie or younger player that was better than Chris Olave? Over 1,000 yards receiving and did so while being bracketed for most of the season because Mike Thomas was out with the injury and Jarvis Landry missed the majority of the season with injury. And he had Andy Dalton throwing him the football. Sorry, Red Rifle. This is what the rookie out of Ohio State, the first-round draft pick, had to say about his first year in the NFL. Well, it was a long year, you know what I'm saying? Now that I know what's going on, now that I know what's going to happen in a year in the NFL season, I feel like I could prepare for that in the offseason and just keep getting better. I know it's a lot of things I could work on. Uh, the stats was there, but uh, I know I left a lot of yards on the field, and I know I could improve a lot in year two, so I'm going to do that this offseason. Guy, the kid, rather, wants to get better. The Saints got themselves a good one. Now, uh, there, there's been debate on social media about whether or not he's a number one wide receiver for a team. Even if he just ends up being a great number two for the next 10 years, Saints fan, you got yourself a dog. You got yourself a really good player. Now, there's a couple things I'd like to see him do. I'd like to see him beef up a little bit, right? Put on some muscle because he's he's tiny. And that, that'd be my concern for him staying healthy and dealing with all the hits that he's going to have to deal with in his career. Got to bulk up a little bit, right? But the guy runs routes like a 10-year pro. He knows how to run routes. And I know he had some bad moments, especially in the finale against the Panthers. Had a drop, had the fumble. Wasn't his best game. But overall, as a rookie, a great rookie season for Chris Olave. But he's still got plenty to work on, and he talked about what he feels he needs to improve on this offseason. Uh, I definitely got to get a little stronger. I definitely know that's a kind of a weak part of my game and try to get gain a couple muscle, uh, pounds of muscle. And... Uh, just trying to play through contact and uh, align myself to, to get yards after catch. I feel like that's the biggest biggest things I can improve on. It's as if the man read my mind. He knows he's got it. Look, playing in college is one thing, but he just wrapped up his first season in the NFL, 17 games. He figured out, hey, everyone at this level is the biggest and strongest guy I got to step my game up a little bit here. I got to I got to put on some weight, muscle mass, keep working, keep getting better. The Saints have young pieces. They really do. You figure out quarterback, you you improve your depth across the lines of scrimmage, maybe get a little safety help. 
figure out a better play caller, you could easily be a playoff team. The difference between the Saints being 7-10 and 10 this year and then flipping that to being 10-7 and 7 and being in the playoffs is very slim. Change, conservative play calling late in games, a couple of busted plays here and there. They're not that far off from being a 10-7 team. Now, are they far off from being a Super Bowl team? Yes. But a playoff team? No. So we'll see what happens this offseason for the New Orleans Saints. We've got to take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and Company, we'll finalize. No, we're not. I was trying to only do a one-hour show. We'll update the poll question of the day. I mean, I feel like I can finalize it because I don't think the, I don't think it's going to change all that much. Update the poll question of the day and share your comments. That's all next right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. Someone stuffing the ballot on the foodie poll question of the week does believe someone has reached out to her Slidell family. The Slittle folks are coming in and voting on this poll question. Do you put shredded cheese on red beans and rice is our foodie poll question of the week. We were at 100% no. I'm not crazy. But now all of a sudden it's 83% no. And 17% say yes, it's delicious. I'm sure someone didn't vote themselves. I'm sure someone didn't ask their family to vote as well. Politicking behind the scenes to vote to not make her look like a crazy person. I mean, it's not like I have access to like five other Twitters that are on my phone <laughs> that I could have voted from them. Stuffing the ballot is happening. I know I won't win, so might as well. That's a little boost. <laughs> might as well. Not be the two percent. <laughs> we got it. That's gonna do it for hour number one. We'll keep talking about the foodie poll question of the week. Coming up next hour, we'll talk LSU men's basketball, dropping a game at home against Florida. The fabulous Cajun chicken returns. So much more. That's all coming up right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. LSU men's basketball team suffers its third consecutive loss all in SEC play as they fall at home to a mediocre Florida team last night inside the PMAC. Matt McMahon's squad now, three straight defeats. And after starting off 11-1 with the lone loss being a 2 point affair against Kansas State they start off 11-1 began conference play with that great win over then number nine ranked Arkansas Arkansas had a bad night shooting Tigers took advantage of it got the win then they go to Lexington 
to Rupp Arena to take on the Kentucky Wildcats. Come up short, but fight hard on the road, and you're like, hey, that's something. But Kentucky has struggled as well. They don't look like a very good Kentucky team, and there's starting to be rumblings that John Calipari's time in Lexington is coming to an end. But still, it's Kentucky. But then came the loss at Texas A&M, where they were pushed around a lot. And that's two losses in a row. And then comes last night against Florida. 67-56 loss. They shot terrible from the field. Couldn't make a bucket to save their life. Only had one player score in double figures at all. And once again, we're seeing the limitations of Matt McMahon's roster. He is a mid-major roster playing in the SEC. And some nights... If the other team's making enough mistakes and you are great, you play up a weight class, so to speak, you can beat an opponent. You can beat a top 10 ranked team like Arkansas. But you can't consistently do it game after game, week after week. And you look at the schedule now for LSU. One and three start to the SEC at number four Alabama Saturday. Back at home next week versus number 21 ranked Auburn. Number five ranked Tennessee. Then on the road, the following week, at number 15 Arkansas, before coming back home for the Big 12 SEC Challenge versus Texas Tech. And then it's at number 20 Missouri, and then back at home versus number four Alabama. Oh. It's a gauntlet. Now the schedule eases up after that, let's be honest, seven-game brutal stretch that they have to play. Because then you get Mississippi State. Okay, that's a winnable game. Texas A&M should have been a winnable game the first time. They're down. Georgia is down. South Carolina, first year of a new head coach. They're rebuilding things. Vanderbilt, down. Ole Miss, keep hearing rumblings that Kermit, the longtime head coach there for the Rebels, may be on his way out. Then Missouri and Florida. So the schedule eases up in the final seven to eight games of the season before the SEC tournament. So they'll have a chance to start piling up some wins improving their resume, and trying to put together a resume that's going to allow them to get into the NCAA tournament. Because here's the thing. They can still do that. The NCAA has not, has not unveiled its punishment for the LSU men's basketball program. And we know they notoriously drag their feet. They could make the decision to punish LSU and ban them from the postseason, which typically happens when you have the type of level one violations they occurred under Will Wade. Traditionally, historically, that's what the NCAA does. Now you get a postseason ban. Scholarship reduction, postseason ban. That's usually how that goes. But if they don't make a decision on that, LSU still has plenty to play for because they can go play in a postseason tournament, whether that's the NCAA tournament or the NIT. And they do have the win over Arkansas, which is a good win. 
But that one good win isn't going to help you if, you know, you lose eight in a row. So they got to figure it out. Once again, their best course of action is playing above their weight class, playing a nearly perfect game, and hoping the other team has an off night. And I'm telling you right now, this team, even with riding a three-game losing streak and having the gauntlet of the next seven games, which is absolutely brutal, they will have a chance. They will have a chance of knocking off some of these ranked teams because we've already seen them do it before against Arkansas. There's nothing saying they can't do it again. It's just their biggest challenge is trying to do that on a consistent basis. And they'll try to snap their three-game skid on Saturday when they're at Alabama, 3 o'clock tip. Of course, you can listen to that game live right here on the game. You're home for LSU Athletics in Southwest Louisiana. LSU men lose. UL men did not play last night. But not only did they win, but we won with the news that came out about this fella. If you're watching this on the simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and LUS Fiber, right here. I'm rocking the fabulous Cajun chicken bobblehead that we usually have displayed behind me. Because the fabulous one, an icon for Raging Cajun athletics, generations remember him entertaining crowds, starting at Blackham Coliseum and then over to the Cajun Dome. He hasn't been around for 20 years. The man that used to dress up like the big chicken and dance like Elvis and entertain kids and adults alike during basketball games is coming back for a one-night affair. Cajuns actually released a story on this. That's how big of a deal it is. This isn't us just finding out about this. No, no. This is an official story by the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. February 4th, inside the Cajun Dome, against the Marshall Thundering Herd. It's senior night. It's going to be a a quality opponent, and it's going to be senior night, and Russell Hyam is going to come back and don the fabulous Cajun chicken costume, entertain the kids and the parents alike with his antics one final time. So that's a big deal. That's a good deal. It's a big deal and a good deal, all wrapped in one. I never got to see the fabulous Cajun Chicken perform. I've only seen video, archived video, if you will, of him doing his thing. He stopped performing or the university athletics department stopped having him perform about 20 years ago. As he jokingly said in a statement, he's on Medicare, he's a senior citizen, Said two new two knee replacement surgeries. So it only seems fitting that they're bringing him back on senior night. But this is going to be fun. And this is the type of stuff that you need to do. You have to make sporting events fun for everyone. The days of getting 30,000 people to file into a basketball arena to watch the team play on a Saturday night or a Thursday night, just isn't going to happen anymore. Everyone can watch games on their phone or on their smart TVs or a tablet. Everyone can access all of that. Every athletic program in the country now has an ESPN Plus contract. 
So what are you doing to make it more fun for people to leave their house, leave their apartment, leave their dorm room, and come and buy a ticket in person to watch a game? That's the, that's the big thing for a lot of athletic directors is trying to figure that out. How can I get more butts in the seat in an era where television revenue dominates the college athletics landscape? How do we make this happen? Well, you make it fun. It's silly to have a grown man, a senior citizen, dancing around impersonating Elvis in a big chicken costume. It's silly. But you know what else it is? It's fun. And your kids that may not be all that interested in watching a college basketball game, your kids that may have the intention span, you know, of a sugary five-year-old, they're going to be entertained. You know what they're going to do? They're going to spend the whole time looking for the chicken. Where is he at? Is he going to come by me? Because that's what the, the mascots do. They go in the stands. They entertain the kids. They take photos. They do dancing. They entertain the little ones. So while the parents can sit there and enjoy the game, they can bring their small ones. It can be a family outing. And, oh, guess what? The kids can be entertained because there's a big guy dressed up as a giant chicken making doing dance moves. It's silly, borderline ridiculous, but it's fun. And it gives something else for other people to be entertained. You have to entertain people more than just putting together, selling them a ticket, and saying, hey, come buy a ticket, sit down, watch a sporting event. It's not how it works anymore. Everyone can have the comforts of being at a stadium in home. I can be at my house on Saturdays on game days. And you know what I can do? I can never get out of my pajamas. I can sit in my recliner. I can have someone deliver food to my door. I don't even have to pay that person in cash. I can pay them with an app, get my food delivered, and watch every game I want to right there on the television. So how are you getting me to come out? You know who you know who's going to be in attendance for this game on February 4th? Me. Probably going to bring my kid. First of all, she loves basketball. It's her favorite sport. But she's going to be wildly entertained. Not only does she like basketball, she's going to freak out when she sees the big fabulous Cajun chicken dancing. She loves dancing during the basketball games anyway. When they play the music in between plays and during the timeouts, she gets up and she dances. She has a good time. So we can go together and I can watch the game on senior night. Oh, and guess what? My daughter will be entertained as well. Need to do more of this. College athletic programs need to know this. The product you're putting out on the court or on the field is important, and having winners out there is important. But you get butts in the stands by giving them something else. It has to be extra, more than the sporting event, more than putting a winner out on the field. Getting the fabulous Cajun chicken to come back for one night, that's a smart move by Dr. Brian Maggard and his staff. Very smart move. 
Not such a smart move is making the decision that you want to put shredded cheese on your red beans and rice, which you eat out of a can. That's our foodie poll question of the week. We love you, Miss Hannah. Five names. Do you put shredded cheese on red beans and rice? Right now, 82% of you say, no, I am not crazy. 18% say, yes, it's delicious. Someone's stuffing the ballots there. She's already admitted to it, cop to it, that that's what she's doing. Ralph on Twitter says, only when fixing them for my dog. According to his AKC papers, his parents were cow herders from Wisconsin, so he's a cheesehead. If you're in NOLA, put a bowl of red beans and rice with shredded cheese on your car seat. It will prevent a burglary. <laughs> that is a quality tweet on multiple levels. Shout out to Ralph this morning. That is, we're gonna get. Let's, let's give it up for Ralph. That's uh. Just for that, I'm playing more Lal Lovett commercials. <laughs> uh, Todd says no, not just no, but heck no. Keeping it clean for the kids. B-Rad says, oh, come on, Ralph, not this again. Oh, <laughs> uh, You guys have had some good, good replies this morning. Krista on Twitter says, oh, honey, who did this to you? Who hurt you, my baby? I will end them. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, I... I who hurt you? Who hurt no you? No one with hurt the, me. The canned, the 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 canned red beans and rice. This was before I was able to like touch the stove. So you just take the can, you open it, you put half of it in the. You deserve bowl, better. You put it in the microwave. You deserve better. Twenty twenty three. I want Hannah five names to 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 treat herself better. Okay. Okay. You deserve right. better in twenty twenty three. Yeah. Send your wife over to my house. You got to use, you know how to make uh, etouffee. Uh, how to make gumbo, how to make red beans. We will have you over to the house, and Tino will will, will show you how it's all done. Okay. Okay? How it's done okay. Cajun style. Steve on Twitter says, I do not eat green eggs and ham. I do not eat chili and jam. I do not eat carrots and peas. I will never eat red beans and shredded cheese. <laughs> Dr. Seuss. Yeah, it's, it's not. It's, it's not. It's not good. It's not good. It's not good. I don't know what upsets me more and what hurts my heart more with you on this is the fact that you put the shredded cheese on the red beans or that you eat red beans and rice out of a can. Like, you did, like no. I don't eat rice out of a can. The, can. the rice is made in the microwave. You deserve better. <laughs> You're not a ho- – you know, come on now. Come on. I'm You're, not a Cajun. I'm not a Creole. I'm not no, 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 no. It has nothing to do with where you're from. I'm not Cajun. I'm not Creole. Okay. But I wouldn't wish wish on my worst enemy being forced to eat red beans and rice out of a can. Not doing that. Not doing that. Not doing that ever. Ever. We're going to fix this. 2023, we're going to make this right. Okay. Sure you will. We got to take a time out. <laughs> sure. Sure she will. She said. Sure you will, she says. We got to take a time out. <laughs> More RP3 and company coming up. You want to get those phone calls in? 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. You're listening to the game on Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and you're home for the LSU Tigers and World Series champion Houston Astros. Here on RP3 and Company, we talk about the sports you know and love. Baseball, football, basketball, and 
soccer? Isn't this great, man? I love soccer. Here we go, Galaxy. Here we go. Okay, maybe not soccer, but we'll try to do our best. Back to more knowledgeable sports talk with RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, man, if you didn't get what you wanted from Santa for Christmas, not to worry. We have the gifts you really want inside the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. As a member of our rewards club, you'll have the opportunity to score yourself some excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort. You can also get yourself a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen, also located inside Cypress Bayou. Also, guess what? It's just not that. It's just not that. How about a $50 gift certificate to Richard Seafood Patio down in Abbeville or a $40 gift card to Misfits Dine and Drink in Broussard? All of those great prizes are right there in our clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. They're ready for you to win, but you have to become a member. It's simple. It's free. So go sign up today so you can start winning great prizes from our clubhouse. Don't forget to vote on the poll question of the day. Do you put shredded cheese on your red beans and rice? I know it's outlandish to say it even aloud, and I'm still struggling with that. But that is our foodie poll question of the week because a certain someone, Miss Hannah Five Names, thinks that is acceptable. Now, could it be that she puts the cheese on the red beans and rice because she was forced to eat red beans out of a can? So she doesn't know what really good tasting red beans and rice is. Microwaved rice, red beans out of a can. I mean, I don't know. Maybe you and I would put shredded cheese on that too just to wolf it down. I think there's an opportunity here to better Miss Hannah Five Names. Have her demand better. Deserve better. Keep those votes coming. and Please leave your comments on Facebook or the Twitter. Or you could just give us a call on the hotline, 337-706-0111. And that's what this young man has done, known to some as Mr. Green, to us as Jamie. He's also a man who says fork him for no good reason because he's an NSU grad. Mr. Green, how you doing, bud? Good, Mr. Third Forkham Demon. There it is, Forkham. <laughs> uh I, I'm I'm doing pretty well. It's it's a, a nice overcast day, not too hot, not too cold, and uh, I wanted to go in on the poll question of the day, um, and say this: is that I like my cheese like I like my coffee, not on my red beans and rice. <laughs> There's so many better things to put cheese on than red beans and rice. But you know, we all have our own taste. We all have our own taste. And so I'll, I'll defend her in saying this. At least she doesn't put quinoa in her gumbo. Oh, Jamie, I feel like 2023 is the year that we're going to make Hannah Five Names understand that she deserves better. What do you think, bud? Do you remember 
you remember when Mr. Extraordinaire was talking about not knowing how to cook, and I suggested a book for him. It was called A Man, A Can, and a Plan. Yes. I don't even think A Man, A Can, and a Plan would have something as outlandishly nuts as, as cheese on red beans and rice. <laughs> But uh, anyway, no, we definitely will we'll, we'll teach her. We'll teach her how to cook. We'll teach her gumbo. We'll teach her red beans and rice, etouffee, the whole nine yards. There it is. And uh, once she once she starts making rice on a stove instead of the microwave, we will know that her learning is complete. Or in a rice pot. How about or that? Rice pot. Can, can we buy you a rice pot? Can we can we buy you a, a rice cooker for your wedding? I have one of those, the microwave one. You put the rice in, no. you put the water in, you no. put it in the microwave, no. and you put it on sensor no. 7, which is how to make that the rice. That sounds like one of those things like back in the day where you could cook a hot dog on like a, a piece of metal and you just kind of fried it. No, 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 no. There'll be none of that. An legitimate thing that you have to set on your counter, five names, that takes a good, like, 45 minutes to do the rice the right way. Do you have one of those? No. I have a 20-minute in-the-microwave rice cooker. All right. So I'm going to add this to the list. She needs an actual rice cooker. She also needs a toaster, which you don't have either. (laughs) No. (laughs) Oh, there's there's so much still to do. There's so much still to do in so little time. Okay, so are those on the gift registry for the wedding, or how, how do I get this for you? All right. Uh, I mean, right, there guys, is. Well, just, <laughs> go to, just go to just go to Facebook. Go to Facebook. Go to my go to my profile that we're friends on Facebook. It's right there, top of the all right, top of the thing. All right, I'll see what I can. I'll see what I can do. Money's a little tight because I'm a teacher, but God, I gotta help you out some uh, kind of way. I feel like we need to do a GoFundMe page for proper appliances for. Hannah, five names. Jamie, appreciate the phone call, brother. Enjoy your day. Appreciate it, guys. Y'all have a great day. Martin has chimed in. Of course he has. I think it's now safe to say that five names needs counseling, LOL. What are we doing here? And I had pizza last night and just sat there for 15 minutes trying to figure out every way how pizza can be a sandwich and found nothing. Yeah, hold on half. Sandwich. There, oh, so there. the meat, the cheese, and the sauce all in the middle between the crust. <laughs> You're welcome. No, 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 no. Yes. No microphone. No, no, not from you, <laughs> microwave rice and canned red beans either. You know, I no. tried to do it on the stove when I did my New Year's Day, the like stew. I did the rice on the stove. So I didn't feel like taking out the pot to, you know, put it in the microwave and everything. And so I did it on the stove. It's so difficult. I was like, I don't know if it's done or not. You <laughs> do I, we have to take a timeout. I have to compose I'm myself. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna hold the fabulous hey, Cajun yeah, yeah, chicken hey, bobblehead, yeah, yeah. and he's gonna make me happy and not be stressed about your. Oh, no. Keep voting on the poll question of the day and leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. We gotta take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and Company, Ron Higgins, the Mad Dog, will join us. Talk all things LSU. Is it time to sound the alarm about the men's basketball team? We'll discuss that next right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. What a great Tiger. Half the week is in the books, which means it's time to talk Bayou Bengals with Tiger Details columnist, the mad dog himself, Ron Higgins. Here is Hold That Tiger on RP3 and Company.
Good morning, Ron. How are you, brother? I'm good, Raymond. How you doing, man? I'm doing much better than the LSU men's basketball team is. Well, you know, the the object of basketball I've discovered is to put the ball in the basket. <laughs> As someone well, who used cannot, to play? Well, you cannot, yes. Well, you cannot do that successfully a lot. You're going to get beat by an average team. And, you know, LSU's an average team, and they got beat by an average team, which is not a good thing because – LSU's schedule is about to not to get average, but they, they play four ranked teams in a row. Oh, so, it's about it's it, it's so, the, the so gauntlet. They, 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 yeah, losing to losing to Florida, uh, an extremely average team on your home court by what, eleven something like that last night was uh, it was awful. It was just just you know awful. LSU, you know, I, you know I I remember a few weeks ago I ragged Arkansas for not shooting the ball at well at LSU. LSU can't shoot the bat. They can't shoot. They have terrible outside shooting. They have just awful outside shooting. The you shooting, know, the the shooting is is not there, and that, and that's for sure. And when I, when I think about the Arkansas game, everything went right for LSU that night, and everything went wrong for Arkansas, and they were able to pull out a win. And I still think this LSU team's probably going to surprise one of these ranked opponents. They have to play the rest of the way, whether that's Missouri or Alabama twice or whoever it may be. I still think. They can beat one of those teams because somebody always has an off night. That's how it works. But I think you're seeing the talent difference as well, right? I, I think the mid-major roster that Matt McMahon is putting out onto the floor just doesn't really stand up to the rest of the conference. It just doesn't. You know, when you play teams that have, you know, that have this clearly better talent, and one thing I noticed last night, a couple of weeks ago when they played Arkansas, you, you noticed that uh, I think I said that I, I was impressed that LSU, uh, it has to win this way, but it has to get the ball to certain players and their spots on the floor where they operate from the best from. Correct. Uh, uh, last, in at least past two games, the teams have figured out how to take that away. And so LSU's left wandering out on the perimeter firing up threes from guys who – uh, I don't know. I'm I'm just such an old school old fart. When I see guys who can't shoot a basketball playing basketball, I'm like, what in the hell? How did you get a scholarship? Because you're a good athlete. That that's how you got because you can run and dunk, but you can't you can't shoot. Uh, it bothers me greatly when I see guys who are great athletes who can't play basketball worth a damn because they don't know the fundamentals like making shots. And they don't realize that that's how you probably get to the NBA. Uh, NBA rarely takes anybody who can't make shots somehow, or they have to do something really, really, one thing really, really well, like block shots or whatever. But you, you just don't have to be a great athlete in the NBA. You have to, you have to be a basketball player. You have to be able to make shots open shots uh in the nba you really see a guy miss open shots if you see a guy miss too many open shots he's not gonna be in the nba very long uh they work too hard to get you open shots in the nba so you better make them in college they got guys who miss an open shot but last night was just you know guys taking bad shots guys missing open shots i mean i mean the guy who's LSU is supposedly their best three-point shooter is, is just 
He's just he's just launching up stuff, man. This this garbage. And they they let him do it because supposedly he's your best three point shooter. But if you're not making him, what are you gonna do? Like, oh, I'm gonna let's see. Last night, last night he was one of eight three point range. Yeah, Miller only gave him eight points. And and here's my thing: when you look at this defensively. They didn't do a bad job. They held Florida at only 20% from three-point range. The Gators were 5 of 25. It's not like they were lighting it up from beyond the arc. They held the Gators to under 40% shooting, and they only allowed one starter in double figures and only two players in double figures. And Florida had two starters that combined for eight points, Ron. That should have been a win. Defensively, they did enough to be able to get the win, but offensively... I mean, only one guy scored in double figures. That was uh, K.J. Williams. And they shot 5 of 28 from three-point range. I don't care who you're playing. You're not going to win many games that way. No, you're not. You can keep just firing stuff up, and that's uh, that's a problem. And I think, again, when you get pushed out of your spots where you operate from the best on the floor, you, you, you settle and you fire up garbage. And they fired up a lot of garbage last night uh, from guys who can't make shots. You know, I mean, they can't they can't make shots, and uh, it's not a great shooting team. And then you have guys who take bad shots, and that's how you lose a game that you're supposed to win, really. And, and that was a the game they needed because I, I'm, like I said, you look at their schedule. Uh, let's see, they have number four play at number four Alabama Saturday, and they play. I think Missouri is. I mean, not Missouri. Uh, they got to play uh, Ron. Ron, they got to play. At number four, Alabama, Saturday. Then next week, they host number 21, Auburn. Host number five, Tennessee. Then it's at number thirteen, uh, uh, number 15, Arkansas. Then it's yep. back at home for the Big 12 SEC Challenge versus Texas Tech. Then it's at number 20, Missouri. And then at home versus number four, Alabama. Yeah. I don't know if I see a win off there. Maybe, if they, like you said, they, somebody comes up and doesn't take it for granted. Uh, Maybe Auburn, right? Maybe. You could catch yeah. them sleeping. It's a middle of the week game, right at the PMAC. So yeah. maybe, I'm a, I'm, yeah, I'm a, yeah. If this team gets like four or five more wins, it'll be a miracle. Uh, we've discussed this over and over. It, it is a it is a mid major roster, and uh, that's what he you know kind of was forced to put together because the whole team left when Will Wayward got fired. Uh, that said, his next recruiting class better be a hell of a lot better. And I don't think it's going to be, okay? Well, we still, Ron, you, we still don't know what the punishment is from the NCAA. They have not unveiled what their punishment is for the level one, level two violations under Will Wade. Typically, that's postseason ban and scholarship reductions. We still don't know what that is because they haven't unveiled it yet. Well, I think they've already put a ban on LSU's three-point accuracy. <laughs> <laughs> already put a fan on the three-point shooting <laughs> i like that i like that let me ask you let me ask you about the league in general because the sec seems tennessee alabama are dominant like those legitimately look like elite eight type of teams to me maybe even final four teams texas a&m seems to be the next tier auburn maybe missouri seems to be pretty good but some of the bigger teams with long-standing coaches are struggling. Kentucky, Ole Miss. I keep hearing rumblings that Kermit, despite the job that he's done there for so many years, could be on his way out in Oxford. 
And there's rumblings about John Calipari's time coming to an end in Lexington as well for Kentucky. What do you think's going on with those two programs? I know you don't cover them. You're watching them from afar. But what's going on with the Wildcats and the Rebels in your opinion? One, I don't think you can ever really win win an Ole Miss, really. You know, you're never going to win. I don't know. I can't remember the last time. Uh, but the last time they got to our, uh, our, our, a, the second week of the NCAA tournament was, golly, 90, early early 90s. I, mean, I know I was covering them. I mean, uh, I they played Arizona and San Antonio, I think, in, in a, a regional semifinal. That's the last time they even got to the second day of the NCAA tournament. Second weekend, much less the first weekend. Uh, Ole Miss is an average job, uh, and it's the, I don't think it doesn't really matter who how you who you put in there. They're not going to win. They, they they'll never they'll uh, I think they've won one SEC tournament in the past. You know, since since they had the SEC tournament, and they've won twice. Uh, it's not a good program, and no matter who goes there, they're probably going to fail. Uh, Kentucky, I think Calipari's time is up. Uh, I like John Calipari, uh, but I think he's not getting through to this team. They lost to South Carolina last night, an awful team. Uh, and then I think maybe his, his his time is up. It's time for him to go somewhere else. I'm sure somebody will hire him. I, I hear Texas is all hot on him. Uh, maybe he needs a fresh start. I don't think he's a bad. I think he still think he's a pretty good basketball coach, but. Uh, sometimes uh, uh, you need to take your act to a new place. As Steve Spurry once told me, he goes, uh, uh, I think you should go coach somewhere every 10 years. That way when you tell all your jokes, people laugh again at them. Um, <laughs> that's, a, that's a pretty good Steve impression, by the way. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, I, I agree with him. I think, you know, I think if you're in a place too long, you you get comfortable or the player, uh, the same message you're putting out every year. They tune it out, it, right? It becomes white noise after a while. It's stale, yeah, and uh, and so I, I think I think I think Cal has done at Kentucky, uh, at Ole Miss. Like I said, they I mean if they go want to get rid of Kermit or Kermit wants to quit, I, I don't I don't think it make any difference. I think it's a I think it's a lousy job. I, I really do. I want to switch over to women's basketball. Uh, they started off what I think it's sixteen and zero. It's the first time ever in program history that that's that's happened. Um, they're going to have the Simone Augustus uh, statue unveiling. Uh, that's this week, correct? Uh, what do you make of what's going on with the uh, Kim Mulkey squad in year number two? Uh, they're really, really, really good. <laughs> I mean, uh, Angel Reese had 28 rebounds two games ago in one game. She had 17 in the first half. I don't think I've even seen an LSU men's player do that ever. Uh they're really good. Even when even when the, they're not the top of their game, they can beat people by twenty five points. Uh, uh, they're athletic. They play defense like nobody's business. They're always going to play defense, and you know, no matter how, if, even if their offense is off, defensively they're just going to they're going to end up just choking you to death. Uh, this is a team that uh, probably, if they stay healthy, will. Uh, have a legitimate shot going to the Final Four. Uh, I don't know if it'll lose more than uh, two games in the SEC, and that, and, and, or, or two or three, unless they just mentally slip up. Uh, their biggest challenger is South Carolina, and they play them at South Carolina. They play Tennessee at, 
at home in a few weeks. Uh, this is a really good basketball team. Uh, coached by a Hall, a Hall of Fame coach. And uh, who knows what she's doing. She knows how to coach a team. She knows how to push the right buttons. And she knows even even when she wins by 25. I mean, they they, they beat... Uh, I forgot they beat it. They, a couple of games ago, they beat somebody. They beat somebody, and 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 Kim Mulkey, the LSU's coach, is unhappy because she goes, you know, you know, the last the last two minutes of the game, we gave up eight points. You're up by like twenty five. We give up eight points the last two. But I mean, that's you know, that's unacceptable. But that's Kim. Uh, yeah, and, that, and and that's that's how she coaches, or that's how you. I'd say you have to be, and uh, so yeah, uh, they're very very good. They're they're they're, they're they're the fun team to watch here. They're talented. Uh, they're well coached, uh, and uh, they're going to make noise all year. Really, really good, brother. Appreciate your time as always. Got one question though for you before we let you go. Okay, you ready? Do you put shredded cheese on red beans and rice? No, hell no. <laughs> Hey, hey, this 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 isn't red pinto beans and rice. Is it? This isn't not about a Mexican delicacy. It's red beans and rice. You don't put red. It's not a chili dog. It's red beans and rice. Oh, thank you, Rod, so much, Mad Dog. Enjoy your day. Oh my God. Yeah, I'm gonna be able to eat all day now. This thing is do you? No, no, no. I do not. The person in the studio that sits on this side of the glass does not. Thank God. I mean, I mean, you must be a really bad cook to make red beans and rice tasteless when you got to put shredded cheese on them. I am a great cook, Ron. <laughs> and I don't put it on the soaked red beans. I only put it on the Blue Runner can red beans. She eats red beans out of a can, too. Well, look, I would understand that because anything comes out of a can uh, to make it taste better, I, I would, I would understand that that's kind of like your your way out to make it taste better. There it is. But you're it's choosing to beans. eat the red beans out of the can. Yes. There it is. Thank you, Ron. <laughs> Yummy. Bon, bon appetit. We gotta take a time out. We'll wrap up hour number two and update that poll question of the day. That's all gonna be next right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers of the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Get Mardi Gras started the right way with a real fun run. Trail presents the Lundy Gras Barathon on Monday, February 20th. It's four miles through Freetown, just south of the parade route. Wear a costume and enjoy free drinks throughout the course served at the adult hydration station. A party bus is going to follow close behind so runners can jump aboard at any time. Run all or some or none. The audience will vote for the winner of the costume contest to bring your loudest, craziest friends. It's the Lundy Grawl Barathon. Free drinks, food, and prizes. Register now at latrail.org. That's latrail.org. I wonder if they're going to have canned red beans with shredded cheese on top. Is any of the food there for the Lundy Grawl Barathon? We'll have to do our research and find out. Speaking of canned red beans with shredded cheese on top, let's get to our foodie poll question of the day. 
do you put shredded cheese on your red beans and rice? That's what we're asking the folks because we need to know. Right now, 84% of you say, no, I'm not crazy. 16% say, yes, it's delicious. We have admitted on the air here that there has been a ballot stuffing measure by a certain producer extraordinaire with five names. Let's get to some comments, shall we? Hart on Twitter says, cheese on canned red beans is the Dennis Allen of Cajun cuisine options. Both will likely give you gas, too. The man just said that your food is like Dennis Allen, your favorite head coach. That's a compliment, five names. Brett, shout out to the fam, says, if anyone does this, they need to move out of Louisiana. Who that forever just shared the simple gif of Ryan Reynolds saying, but why? But why? Keep those votes and keep those comments coming. So, your cuisine option is being compared to Dennis Allen. You should feel flattered. No, no, I should not feel flattered. I don't like Dennis Allen. Y'all should know this. I screamed up my lungs for like 30 minutes about this man. <laughs> and you making it you making it to say red beans and rice. I didn't say all red beans and rice. All I said is the canned blue water red beans and rice. That's it. Which is your preferred option of eating red beans and rice. Because I don't have the other options. I don't know how to make the other option. And you, stop yelling at me, making fun of me. You take the beans. You soak the beans. You cook the beans. It's not hard. It's really not. When we teach you how to do this, you're going to be like, wow, this is really simple. Yeah, I think you taught. <laughs> we will step up. My wife, yeah. I will recruit Tina to, to do this. Not to worry. That's going to do it for hour number two. Hour number three coming up. Jay Walker, longtime voice of the Louisiana Raging Cajuns, will join us. We'll talk about the men's basketball team winning back-to-back games, as well as the fabulous Cajun chicken returning for one night only. That's all going to be coming up next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. The Louisiana Raging Cajuns began conference play with back-to-back losses on the road. Coastal Carolina, where they were up in that game by double digits with about five minutes to go. Let that one kind of slip away from them. And then lost on the road to two against a pretty good Old Dominion team. But they've gotten back on track. Back-to-back victories against a pretty good Southern Miss team and then old rival Georgia State to get to even in Sunbelt Conference play. They got two games again this week on the road. Starts off tomorrow night at Fayette Ewing Coliseum up in Monroe to talk about that as well as the return of the fabulous Cajun Chicken for a one-night affair. The longtime voice of the Louisiana Raging Cajuns, Jay Walker, joins us now. Jay, good morning to you, brother. How are you, my friend? I am uh, I am doing fine and certainly old enough to remember the fabulous Cajun Chicken. There you go. There you go. We're going to get to the fabulous one a little bit later, but I want to talk about 
the uh, turnaround a little bit here for the men's basketball team. Figuring it out, kind of getting back on track, started with Southern Miss and then obviously kept it going against Georgia State. What was the big difference in the last two wins compared to the two games prior to that where they dropped both of those games? Uh, they were better defensively. Uh, you know, the, you, you, you alluded to the Coastal Carolina game where the Cajuns had a 10-point lead, four minutes and 40 seconds left, and then they didn't get a stop the rest of the game. Coastal scored on every possession. A couple of them were three-pointers. A couple of them were and-ones, and they walked out with a one-point win. You know, against Old Dominion, they, uh, they actually fell behind by 22 early in the second half and fought back and cut it uh, to one possession but they didn't defend well enough while they were digging themselves that hole. They were much better defensively uh, in the two games uh, at the Cajun Dome last week. The other thing that they're trying to do at this time, and we knew it was going to be a, a bit of an adjustment, is figuring out how to utilize Kobe Julian and, and getting him to shake off the rust as well because it's been a while. And I think they're doing a better job of that, even though Kobe may not be shooting the ball the way he would want to or the way Coach Marlin would want to. The last couple of games, they've seemingly kind of figured out how to utilize him a little bit better. Well, you know, how much they utilize him is going to depend on how well he plays. Right. Uh, you know, because, look, the, he's got no minutes restrictions. But, you know, Kobe can play a lot better than what he has shown so far. And that's why there have been – a couple of times where he's played very few minutes because when they put him in, he, he hasn't done a very good job. Uh, I thought he was better uh, the other night uh, in the two games at home. Uh, obviously, they need him. But, you know, this team's got good chemistry. Everybody on that team's rooting for Kobe to do well. And um, if, uh, if he starts playing well and he starts getting more minutes and the Cajuns are winning, nobody's going to complain. Yeah, and it's just going to take a little time too for him because it's it's all about shaking off the rust for him, right? And sure. getting and started getting the shot to drop because we know we've seen what he can do. Jay, we saw it at the Sun Belt Conference tournament just last year, right, where he was able to be healthy and helped kind of play at, at a higher level, and and then the year before that as well when he when he was able to come back. So we know what Kobe can do is just getting him to get that confidence back. Now that they're even in conference play, they got two road trips this week and then two more next week. It's a weird part of the schedule where they're on the road, but they're crisscrossing, you know, the way they designed the schedule. Let's start there. What do you make of how the Sun Belt did the schedule this season? Well, you know, the first time they did it, you know, the Cajuns are going to have a um, – a thing later on in the year where they have ULM at home on a Thursday and then they have to be at James Madison on Saturday. <laughs> everybody in everybody in the league has one of those, and, right. and that's fine. But I think when the schedule first came out, the, the initial schedule that never saw the light of day, I think I know the women had seven of those trips and the men, I think, had five. So they've at least done it to where you don't have to do the home – home for one game away for the other and travel a long distance um, except for for one time so in that regard it's better I I do think that now that Southern Miss is in the league um, you know we're used to having um, the Cajuns and ULM kind of be on the same page travel wise yeah be travel partners uh, and, and and you you know but now 
you're going to go Arkansas State to Texas State. That's going to happen because UTA is not there anymore. Uh, and Arkansas State is on an island because Little Rock isn't there anymore. So you're going to have some weird trips, but you're going to have some good ones too. Uh, the, the first trip here is not bad. You know, you're going from Monroe to um, to Mobile, and, and that's no hill for a climber. Next week when they do Arkansas State, Texas State, that one will be interesting. That, that one will be in- interesting. Let's talk about the Warhawks because they're seven and ten overall, but they began conference play three and one. Uh, what can you tell us a little bit about what ULM, the challenges they're going to present the Cajuns Thursday night there at Fant Ewing Coliseum? Well, you know, ULM what 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 Keith did this time around, Keith Richard, their coach, is he's brought in about four freshmen, but they're not playing. He's planning to redshirt them. And then they had a couple of post guys go down with injury. So he's since conference play has started, he has never played more than seven players in a game. And the five starters are all playing more than 30 minutes. What has made ULM um, a little bit scary right now is they're shooting the ball from the perimeter very well right now. Um, they, they run a three-guard system, and all three of them are very capable. Uh, and I watched, uh, you know, James Blackman against Southern Miss, and, you know, he gets out of the gate and he hits a couple of three threes in the first six minutes and bangs, you know, ULM's got a 13-point lead. Now, Southern Miss came back and won the game, but um, but they've shot it well. And there are two guys um, in the middle. There are two post players that they have left. One of them is a kid from Natchitoches who had a good game against the Cajuns last year, and the other one is a, a guy who has transferred in. On nights that they're shooting it, they're really tough to beat because one thing that Monroe doesn't do, they don't turn the basketball over. They're averaging fewer than 10 turnovers a game. Uh, And as a result, you know, if they're going to have more possessions because they're not turning it over and they're shooting it well, that makes them a, a, a difficult team. The other thing, Ray, is, you know, Cajuns are going up there and. Keith Richard and Bob Marlin started the same year. And up in Monroe, the Cajuns are only 6 and 6. Now they're 11 and 1 at the Cajun Dome against ULM, but only 6 and 6 at Fant Ewing. So the Cajuns are going to have to play well to get out of there with a W. Let's look ahead to Saturday. Uh, South seems to be a little down this season. They're 7 and 9 overall. They've had a rough start to conference play 1 and 3. I know the game's not till Saturday, but what do you know? What can you tell us a little bit about the Jaguars? Well, you know, I was a little surprised they started conference the way they did. Now, they played the most competitive of the non-conference games of anybody in the league, so I'm not surprised that their record wasn't good uh, entering league play. But I, I was so I was a little surprised when they started one and three, and then I started looking at numbers a little bit more. You know, South Alabama in the past, you know, they've been fine with the game uh, in the 70s and, and uh, when since Richie Riley's been there. Not so this year because they've had trouble shooting the ball, uh, especially from the perimeter. And, uh, you know, they're shooting about 38% as a team. They're about 28% from three. Their numbers look very similar to Georgia State's, to be honest with you. And so what they've done is – They've tried to shorten the number of possessions. They, they, they have a tendency to, to work the shot clock a little bit more than what they've done in the past. Uh, and, again, that reminds me a lot of Georgia State. So, you know, I haven't watched film on South Alabama. I just talked to a few people and looked 
uh, and looked at at, at some uh, some numbers. Um, so I don't know that they play exactly like Georgia Georgia State, but I do know that they have the same issues so far that Georgia State has had. We're talking with Jay Walker, longtime voice of the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. All right, bud, let's talk about something that's uh, fun. And since the news broke yesterday, I've had people come out of the woodwork to talk to me about it, and that's the announcement that the man who portrayed the fabulous Cajun chicken for all those years, entertaining kids and adults alike with his dance moves and his antics, they're going to bring him back after about 20 years of being away. Russell Heim's going to return to be the fabulous Cajun chicken on senior night, February 4th, against Marshall. What do you make of that move, and uh, what are you hearing from folks? Because people seem to be really excited about it. Uh, yeah, they are excited, and they should be. Um, you know, just to, to give a little background, you know, Russell did that for so long, and then he, then he took another job, and he moved to Houston. And, and that's when, you know, that was the end of the, of the fabulous Cajun chicken. But, you know, I get a call from Russell back, um, I don't know, back in the September or maybe even earlier than that. And he said, I'm retiring and I'm moving back to Lafayette and I'm so excited to be back home. I, he was like a kid in a candy store talking about it. And I think when he got back, a few people kind of put a bug in his ear and said, hey, wouldn't it be great if you could do this for like one night? Now, you know, as Dan McDonald's article stated, Russell now is eligible for Medicare and he's had both knees replaced. <laughs> so if you're if you're wanting to say that, hey, this will be a regular thing. No, it won't. It won't be a regular thing. Um, but, you know, I know he's been working out uh, and and I know that he's, you know, uh, look, he's over the moon about the opportunity to entertain again. And I don't think that there's going to be anybody who ever saw the chicken that's going to say that he wasn't entertaining. He always was. And now to bring him back after 20 years and to revive a lot of the skits, not all of them, but a lot of the skits that he did back then, I'm telling you, there's going to be a lot of nostalgia. I think they're going to have a great crowd for that game. I think the crowd is going to be very enthusiastic, and I know that Russell is just going to – it's going to be like like his 10th birthday party when he got a brand-new bicycle. And the thing about that and, – and, look, just on paper, just when you mention, hey, a grown man dressed up as a big chicken, it, it's silly, right? But here's the thing. For me, I have an 8-year-old daughter. You know who's going to love seeing the, the, the fabulous Cajun chicken – inside the Cajun Dome during timeouts or during the game is going to be my eight-year-old. So everyone gets entertained in that regard, Jay. And I think having mascots and having those type of fun things is a great added bonus to the game experience uh, for these type of events. And, you know, maybe it's not the fabulous Cajun chicken because of his age, but having something like that, it always helps get butts in the stands. Always. Well, you know, I, I think it's, even though even though Russell's up in age, I think you're going to see a lot of what you saw uh, in the past. I think a lot of it's going to be the same, which is not only going to thrill your eight-year-old, it's, it's, it's going to fire you up, too. Uh, and that's what's going to happen when, when he performs is the kids will get excited because it's something new and it's something cool. And then the adults will get excited because of the nostalgia. Uh, and that's why I think you're going to have a good crowd of the Cajun Dome uh, that night. Now, you know, 
I, you know, I've, I've talked at length with people about mascots and stuff. And, uh, you know, ever since, um, ever since Cayenne got kidnapped and, or whatever happened to him, <laughs> you know, it, but it's not the mascot. It's the person in the suit yep. that makes it work. You know, I, I've seen mascots that, that really don't do much of anything. And then I've seen somebody like Gus over at Georgia Southern, who's a goofy-looking eagle to start with, but he's got a few things that he does that make you laugh. It's, it's all about the person in the suit and not the suit itself. So, you know, people, oh, you got to have a mascot. Well, yeah, maybe so. But you also got to have somebody in the suit that knows what the hell they're doing. You got to have an and, entertainer, um, Jay. You got to have an entertainer. Get, oh yeah, it, you know, just having a, uh, just having somebody standing there in a suit that looks like an angry pepper, or at Western <laughs> Kentucky that looks like a blood clot. I mean, you you you've got to have somebody in the suit that can make it work, and that's going to be the challenge. You know, whenever the Cajuns get around to reviving a mascot. It's not going to be just the suit. It's going to be finding somebody that has an idea what to do with it. Brother, appreciate the time. As always, enjoy the calls this uh, Thursday and Saturday on the road there in Monroe and Mobile. Safe travels, my friends, and we'll talk to you next week. I look forward to it. Thanks. Go Cajuns. Jay Walker, longtime voice of the Louisiana Raging Cajuns, joining us there. Hey, got to remind you, let's be honest. We tend to have a lot of fun here at the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, a Delta Media station. Hey, we just spent about five good minutes talking about the fabulous Cajun chicken. That's the type of fun we have. And we also make fun of each other for putting cheese on red beans. Look, if you're looking for a career change and have any type of sales experience, retail, telemarketing, auto sales, it really doesn't matter. Delta Media wants to hear from you. Email your resume to our sales director, Johnette Cochran. That's at jcochran at deltamediacorp.com. jcochran at deltamediacorp.com. Or give her a call, 896-1600. That's 896-1600. Got sales experience? Want a career change? Want to come join the team at Delta Media? Reach out to Johnette Cochran at jcochran at deltamediacorp.com or by calling 896-1600. we got to take a timeout. More RP3 and company coming up. We'll update the poll question of the day. Get to your comments. That's all next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Download the free The Game mobile app for Android and Apple devices. No matter where you are in the country, you can listen to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Let's check in on the foodie poll question of the week, which is our poll question of the day on Wednesdays. Do you put shredded cheese on the red beans and rice? 86% of you have chimed in saying, no, I'm not crazy. 14% say, yes, it's delicious, and I would be willing to go out on a limb and say the majority of the people of that 14% are burner accounts managed by Hannah Five Names and her mother. If I had to go out on a limb, that's what I'm going to say. 
Am I wrong? Yes, because they aren't burner accounts. It is the 106.3 Twitter account. It is um, the Mustang Twitter account. It is a Z Twitter account. And it is my account. And 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 it is the Acadiana Football Radio account. <laughs> so you're just using the access to, to every account you have. You're going yeah. and trying to sway uh-huh. people. You're welcome. Uh, it's not working, though, is it? No, but you know what? It's not working. Me and the 14% mm. of myself are going to be <laughs> scum diddly umptious over here by oh, myself. Let's get to some comments on Facebook, no, shall not? we? Damien says, this is the first I've ever heard of it. Robert says, uh, nah. Where do you, <laughs> where do you get these questions for, from? LOL. Edward says, I put Tabasco sauce, not cheese. I'm not crazy. Holly says, yes, it is delicious. Now, is Holly any relation somehow to you, Five Names? Um, no, why would she be? I don't know. I, you, you, look, you, you first of all, you have five names. So you I have do. all those families, and you got kinfolk everywhere. So Well, I'm not a Williams, I'm not a Martin, and I'm not a Fontenot. So there you go. Maybe goes. right into to, to Nick Fontenot. So someone's come out. In support of you. Yeah. So shout out to Holly for that. Aaron, in all caps, I am not crazy. And Blaine says, no. So keep voting on our poll question of the day. Do you put shredded cheese on red beans and rice? Okay. Well, what do you think that people don't like that you do? Because I feel like all we talk about is we're airing out my problems. And my craziness. So we need to prove your craziness, Ray. So what has something that you like to eat that no one else probably likes to eat? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I don't know of anything that I do. I like bologna. A lot of people don't like bologna. I do like a good bologna sandwich. Mm-hmm. I also like fried bologna. Ooh, fried bologna. Yes. Do you like relish? Uh, every once in a while. Relish is nasty. Sometimes a little relish. Uh, you need maybe a little dill relish for, you know, uh, some type of, like, potato salad or something like that. No, you or... chop up real pickles. That's what you do for a potato salad. Chop up real pickles. Well, dill relish is essentially already chopped up pickles. So it's, no, it's always a... someone has added to it, and it tastes nasty. Okay. All right. So, I mean, that's not, that. Th- th- those are not, you know, eating bologna is not putting shredded cheese on red beans. Okay, but you're just saying it as a red beans. It's not... All red beans. It's just the ones that come in the can. I don't put it on. If I go to like a restaurant across the way from our station that someone's mother does not like, um, I don't. I wouldn't put red bean. I wouldn't put cheese on their red beans. Like, I wouldn't put on like a certain fast food restaurant's red beans either, because they don't need them. But those red beans now that I've you know I'm going into. Three months away from marrying the love of my life, the cheese head of all cheese heads, I feel like. He went and said he puts cheese on his red beans. And so I went and broke down and said I would try it. I tried it once on one bite, and it wasn't terrible. I do like it. That's so not time out, time out. I tried it. It wasn't terrible. Is not the same thing as liking it. And it's okay if your man Eat something that you don't want to eat. You don't have to eat everything that he eats. He is an individual. You're an individual. 
If you don't want to put cheese on your red beans, you don't have to put cheese on your red beans. But the thing is, you'll still make fun of me because I have I eat those red beans still. I would eat those by themselves. I didn't have rice. I thought making rice. We're I getting closer and closer to having an intervention. We don't need one because I, unlike some people, I like. Am I a bad cook? No, no, I'm not a bad cook. If I was, then I would be boring and just boil potatoes and boil the eggs potato salad. Instead, I follow what my mom does, and I crab boil my potatoes and my eggs, and I'll add onions and garlic into it to get more flavor and use that to make potato salad. That, Is that a bad cook? No, it's not. That, so, that does not take away from yes, it does. cheese on red yes, beans out of a can. No, it doesn't. I hate to tell you. we got to take a time out. <laughs> Let me go step on his marshmallows. That's the breakfast, guys. There's only half, worse. There's only half an hour left. You'll be fine. You'll make it. I promise. When we come back here at RP3 and Company, we're going to shift gears and talk New Orleans Saints football with Andrew Juge of the Saints Happy Hour podcast. That's coming up next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. This is Brett Musburger's Action Update. Check out VSIN's catalog of original podcasts daily and weekly programming to keep you in the know when you're on the go only at vsin.com now here are the latest lines from my guys in the desert lsu opened as a one-point favorite over the florida gators at home last time with that number flipped by tip off to florida laying two and a half of the gators one and covered 67 to 56 of the Maribetch Assembly Center. Total closed at 137 and a half and stayed under at 123. Tonight, Louisiana Tech, an eight and a half point dog at North Texas, 121 the total at the Super Pit. It's SMU at home with Tulane and the Green Wave or the four and a half point road favorite at Moody Coliseum, 150 and a half the total. The Pelicans tonight, a nine and a half point road dog at Boston, 229 and a half the total at the TD Guard. With your action update from VSEN, Mike Sennett on the game. It seems like there's always a honeydew list, and all Jim and I do every weekend is chip away at projects. We need more family time instead of worrying about that annoying drip from the faucet or how long our sink takes to drain. I do want my new rain shower head installed, but it's still in the box, and I definitely want the toilet to not move every time I sit on it. But I also want to enjoy our weekends, so I'm calling Ace Plumbing. Ace Plumbing is here to help for all your honeydew projects. Ace has been locally owned and operated for three generations and prides itself on its honest and upfront pricing. All of Ace's team members are background checked and drug tested, giving you peace of mind when they come to your home. All I had to do was go to Ace's website, aceplumbinginc.com, and get the phone number. It's 337-565-2518. They took care of everything, and Jim has a big smile on his face. Ace Plumbing, how can we make you smile? Gun collecting starts with your very first purchase. We'll talk about that next from the Rustic Renegade. Collecting anything can be overwhelming, but with gun collecting, there are thousands of choices. Check with a local expert. They'll ask you several questions to help make the right decision and decide what your initial budget is, understanding that purchasing the right gun is an investment and not an expense, just like gold. To learn more, visit therusticrenegade.com. Choosing the right knife and the right maintenance. Here's Caleb with the Rustic Renegade. We go through and we tell you what lubricants to use, how the best way to clean the knife, if you disassemble the knife, how to disassemble the knife. 
uh, as a young man growing up and, and using my first pocket knife, I thought that when it got dull, you just sharpened it. And we've learned about how to use a strop. We've learned how to maintain your bevels and your edge and how to oil your knife properly. And this is one of the things that we go over with our customers. To find the right knife for you, visit The Rustic Renegade or therusticrenegade.com. Today on Hey Culligan, Smart Home, Smarter Water Softener. Here's Kevin. Hey Culligan, can a smart water softener lift those heavy salt bags for me? Kevin, it can. <laughs> Wait, it can? Yep, the smart high-efficiency water softener from Culligan can alert your dealer when the salt needs to be replaced, and they'll do it for you, so your water stays soft and you stay away from lifting the bags. I, I mean, I could lift them if I wanted. No judgment here, Kevin. We're happy to do it, and we're already on the way. Let us help you out with a free in-home water test with the local Culligan water expert at Culligan.com. You know you like us. Then it's time for you to show us how much you like being in a relationship with the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Go give us a like on our revamped Facebook page. And follow us on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram. I can love you like that. That way you can get the latest interviews, breaking news, and whatever shenanigans we're up to. Just search The Game Louisiana and be hooked up with Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Ready for Saints talk. They give the Camaro. Breaks through. Spins at the two. Into the end zone. Touchdown. Time to talk Saints with the Big Easy Blitz here on RP3 and Company. Andrew Juge from the Saints Happy Hour Podcast joins us. He's also a contributing columnist to 1037 The Game and 1041thegame.com. You can read his latest up at our website right now. Andrew, good morning, bud. How are you? I'm doing well. Look, uh, mercifully, the Saints season is over. Uh, I don't know that I wanted it to play out this way. I don't know that many fans wanted it to, but uh, I think we can all say uh, that it's a good thing that it's over. And my goodness, on Sunday, I just have to say, uh, that was the most on-brand and uh, you know, kind of perfect fitting ending to the season. So it was what they've done all year, right? It's you finally the defense finally turns a corner in the last six weeks of the season. Finally, after being let's be honest, average for twelve weeks, they they turn it around. You get a strong defensive performance where they only give up forty-three yards passing, no passing touchdowns. They get two picks. And they hold the opposition to 10 points. And they lose because the offense is dreadful. And then they give up two big plays to Sam Darnold, one passing play and one running play to put him in field goal position. We saw this story before against Arizona, against Cincinnati, against Tampa. The team has a chance to win the game. Offense goes quickly out. Defense, who had been good in stretches, all of a sudden gives up two big plays. And then, boom, ball game, done. Yeah, it's uh, it's funny. I rewatched that game, as you know, Raymond, because I, I grade all the players, and you know, I have to say, you love misery as well. You love misery That's as well, right. but yes, sir. yes, I, I love I love to inflict pain on myself, <laughs> but uh, it's you know, it's weird. It, it like it's it's almost inexplicable, uh, and, and I've said this before, but if this were any other game, now I think the Saints kind of get a pass here because it was Week 18. It was a meaningless game. No one really cared. Everyone was ready for the season to be over. And if anything, I know they don't have a first-round pick, but maybe their second-round pick's a little bit better. So there's not a lot to cry about here. But I think Dennis Allen's kind of lucky it played out that way because had this just been a humdrum Week 8 matchup with normal stakes, 
the Saints losing this game, I mean, the coaching staff would have been killed for this. They would have been crushed in the media and and deservingly so. And it is the, the number of points that they left out there by making a decision to go for it on fourth and one, when really it felt like 10 points was maybe going to be enough to win the game. Uh, they get stuffed because they're missing four fifths of their offensive line. They miss two field goals. Olave has a fumble before half the at minimum, at minimum, Raymond, if they had a proper kicker, they left 12 points on the board minimum. And they end up losing the game by three, like you said, because Carolina, who had completed five passes the whole game, two, two, two of the seven passes they completed were to the Saints. Uh, but, you know, they, they make a play at the end, they kick a field goal, and boom, game over. And, and that's what happens sometimes in the NFL when you let another team hang around. And, look, I, I think we're ready to move on from this game and the season, and yet th this was as inexcusable as it gets. I, I, I remain dumbfounded that the Saints found a way to lose this game. It was almost impossible when you consider how clearly they were the better team. But like you said, microcosm of the season, the Saints self-inflicted wounds. Uh, they beat themselves yet again, and uh, they can't finish games offensively. Is it time to move on from Will Lutz? Yeah, it's a good question. It's interesting. So, you know, on paper, he's 23 of 31 on the year, 74%. And, you know, at first glance, like, that's not very good for Will Lutz standards, but it doesn't sound that bad, right? 23 of 31, it's, it's not good. But that feels kind of mediocre. Well, believe it or not, the Saints are dead last in the entire league, 32nd overall in field goal percentage. So uh, by league standards, by league average, and just how good kickers are these days, Will Lutz was the worst in the league this year, uh, which is which is kind of shocking because uh, I don't feel like he's necessarily been that bad. Uh, but he's an expensive player. Uh, the, sa the Saints can save about $4 million worth of cap space by cutting him. And unfortunately, that there's a reality that from a cap perspective, the Saints are kind of squeezed a little bit. And so they could use those resources, especially if they have an underperforming player. Uh, so I don't know the answer to your question, but as the Saints kind of evaluate everything, coaches, players, uh, he certainly looks like a guy that could be on the chopping block. Absolutely. What are they going to do with Michael Thomas now that they restructured the contract? Are they going to cut him or are they going to trade him? Yeah, I don't know that anybody's trading for Michael Thomas, uh, given that he hasn't played for the better part of three years and he has that enormous contract. Um, I, I just, I, I know other teams will see the writing on the wall that he's about to be cut and be a free agent. And if they're interested in pursuing him, I can't really see him honestly get, get garnering much interest on, on the free agency market other than maybe a one-year prove-it deal uh, based on what he's been through the last few years. So um I, I expect him to be cut. I expect the journey with Michael Thomas uh, to be over in New Orleans. And, you know, it's really sad when you consider that the pace that he was on as an offensive player of the year, I think he's done enough to probably be a Saints Hall of Famer, but he was on pace to be maybe a pro football Hall of Famer and, and to be the best, best Saints receiver in, in team history. But now you look at his career, he's third overall in catches in team history. I think he's fifth in yards. And so, I don't think you can say that he's better. He had a better career with the Saints than Marcus Colston at this point. And so uh, it's just really sad how that all kind of ended for him. But uh, that's the reality of football sometimes. Are they going to move away from both Jameis Winston and Andy Dalton? Or do you expect at least one of them to be on the roster for the next season? 
I, I expect Jameis Winston to be gone for sure. Uh, so that that's a cut that I expect really to happen at any moment uh, prior to uh, March 1st. Uh, when, or I think March 17th is technically when free agency starts. So uh, I, I definitely expect them to save $5 million against the cap, recoup some of that money, uh, and let Jameis Winston go. I think that experiment is over with. And, uh, you know, the relationship between him and Dennis Allen seems to have taken a hit. So uh, I, I don't see him coming back. Uh, with Andy Dalton, we'll see. I, I think, uh, look, for me personally, the only scenario where I would be open to potentially seeing Andy Dalton again is uh, that you make a first-round pick draft. You, you, you pick a guy in the first round at quarterback, and obviously you'd have to trade Sean Payton and acquire a first pick, first of all. Uh, but assuming you get that and assuming that plays out, uh, you get a quarterback and then Andy operates as a bridge for that rookie where you don't necessarily have to start the rookie right away. And whether that's he sits for two games, five games, or an entire season, uh, Andy Dalton is kind of that bridge. Andy Dalton clearly isn't the future at that position for the Saints. So uh, that's really the only scenario where I would be open to it. And, and I think the Saints are open to bring him back potentially, but I think they will explore all avenues. And uh, look, I, I think if a quarterback in the draft doesn't make sense for them, then I would prefer they explore kind of some of the other options, be it Geno Smith, uh, Derek Carr, Jimmy Garoppolo, some of those other quarterbacks. We're talking with Andrew Juge of the Saints Half Hour podcast. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. Let's talk about wide receiver. Mike's going to be gone. Traquan Smith is going to be a free agent. Deontay Hardy's going to be a free agent. And they already think they found their replacement in Hardy with, obviously, Rashid uh, Shahid. So, they already have that taken care of, but you still have issues at wide receiver. Chris Olave is good. He needs to beef up. He needs to put a little bit more muscle on him, and he even admitted to that in his exit interview with the media. Uh, are they going to be a player in trying to bring in free agent wide receivers or drafting another wide receiver? I think they should be, yeah. I mean, look, I think if you look at Michael Thomas leaving, and I don't know what's going to happen with Jarvis Landry, but obviously he was a big disappointment this season as well. Uh, when Dennis Allen met with the media – he made a comment that one of the biggest struggles that the Saints had had this year, I thought this was really insightful and I thought it was true. He mentioned that making the contested catches was a really big problem for the Saints this year. And look, criticize Andy Dalton all you want. I, I actually thought he's limited in, in, in what he is, but I thought the Saints had the best version of Andy Dalton this, this season. I mean, 95 quarterback rating, uh, that's about as good as it gets for him. At, the, at this stage of his career, I think he's a – deluxe backup quality player i think he can come in and win you some games and play pretty well if you need him in a pinch uh he's not a guy you want to rely on to be your starter all season uh, but uh, i thought he stepped up and played okay and i thought in a number of cases he was let down be it by fumbles missed field goals injuries and as dennis allen pointed out the inability to make contested catches and so as you look at Look, I, I think this receiver room needs a, a complete overhaul. And there's no doubt that Chris Olave and Rashid Shahid, those guys are keepers and, and they belong. But they're both rookies and I and they fit a similar profile. They're field stretchers that run really good routes, that have solid hands, a little bit diminutive in size, don't have great play strength, and they're field stretchers. They're guys that can get vertical. I don't know that Andy Dalton is the best quarterback to pair with receivers like that. You need a quarterback and an offensive line they can allow for those routes to develop a little bit. They can allow those guys to get downfield. Uh, but, look, I, I think this offense is missing that guy that can make the contested catches. They have that a little bit in Jawan Johnson, although he's been inconsistent too. 
But they need a guy that can take that big hit over the middle and move the chains on third and three, making a five-yard reception. And Jarvis Landry, for example, has been that for most of his career. Michael Thomas has been that for most of his career. Both of those guys were injured most of the season, and, and they didn't perform. Uh, so the, the Saints need to find someone that can fill that role for them. They can Now, yes, Olave is going to need to improve his play strength, Rashid Shahid as well. But I don't think that they're ever going to wholesale change their games to become Michael Thomas or Jarvis Landry. They're different kind of receivers. So they say, the Saints still need someone to fill that space, and they need to find that guy. Is Jawan Johnson the franchise tight end they've been looking for? Possibly. Uh, I'm really encouraged with him. Look, this is really the first year that I would say he looks like a real NFL tight end. Uh, I would say previous to that, inconsistent with his route running, inconsistent with his hands, uh, inconsistent with his blocking. And he has the right frame for it. Uh, But this was the first year I feel like his body really filled out. He changed his body composition to really be a tight end. The blocking has gotten a lot better. There's still a lot of room to grow there. Uh, But that's encouraging. I, I think that between Juwan Johnson and, and Adam Troutman, the Saints have a, a combination of tight ends that can work. Uh, is it elite? Is it is it really good? I, I would say not at this point. Uh, but look, they're young players, and you hope that they can continue to develop. Uh, but what I saw out of Juwan Johnson, I'm not ready to say that he's arrived. I'm not ready to say that he's a tight end that can give you 800 yards receiving and seven touchdowns consistently. Uh, but he's pretty close. And uh, look, if he can continue to improve, I think he can get there. Running back needs to be a top three priority in the offseason, yes or no? 100%, without question. Um, I I don't know if you trade Alvin Kamara or not. Uh, I still think he's one of the best players on this team, and I don't think he was utilized correctly this year. And Part of that was circumstantial. Uh, Look, they had a lot of injuries. Mark Ingram went down. Uh, They lost a couple running backs that were poached. Uh, Tony Jones Jr. was poached off the practice squad. Latavius Murray was poached. So I think they just got into a position where they really didn't have anyone else. And they were kind of forced to play Alvin Kamara as a battering ram uh, and for him to run in between the tackles. And that's that's really not who he is. And I think that that's why you saw Alvin Kamara have a pretty good season overall, an okay season. But for by his standards, that was probably one of the worst seasons he's had. And uh, if they're going to continue to operate this way offensively, then I believe they need to get a different running back and they need to trade Kamara. Now, ideally – they have a running back in the building that can complement Alvin Kamara that takes that load off of him that can be what Mark Ingram used to be before the knee injuries. And if they can find a running back that can fill that space for the Saints and kind of take that pressure off of Alvin Kamara and allow Alvin Kamara to maybe do more of the things that he excels at, uh, then maybe you don't need to trade him and, and it can work. But, but really, either way, Regardless of what they want to do offensively, they need someone in the building that can complement him. And I don't believe that Mark Ingram is that guy anymore. Uh, obviously, just age has caught up with him, and he's had lingering knee issues over the past two seasons. So uh, I'll get back to my initial statement. Yes, 100%, they need to bolster that running back room. And I think, honestly, they're probably a year too late in doing it. Do they need to lock up Carl Granderson and Caden Ellis now and let Marcus Davenport and maybe some other bigger profile name guys walk well granderson's under contract and and for a really affordable cheap amount so the fact that he's kind of developed into a starter and, and finished the year really strong is really promising because now you get uh what could be a starting level pass rusher 
on the edge that's playing at a pretty high level at a really affordable, cheap contract. And the Saints need that right now. They need performing players in cheap, affordable contracts given their cap situation. So uh, Granderson's under contract, and you're in good shape there. Uh, Caden Ellis, they have to find a way to retain him. Uh, he, he's a homegrown talent. They drafted him in the seventh round. And uh, I'll be honest, Raymond, I, I think you can make an argument that he was a defensive MVP this year. Um, and I don't throw that out lightly. He was that good. And so uh, I think as an unrestricted free agent this year, the Saints should be nervous about the interest that he's going to garner. And could he get a contract that makes him too hard to retain, potentially, again, given the Saints cap problems. But uh, I would urge Mickey Loomis to be creative there and find a way to keep him. And look, Dennis Allen is a defensive coach. I think he would prioritize keeping Ellis. So my hope is that he'll return, but I think he's an important part of the team and they need to try to find a way to keep him. Um, and so you look, I, I think those two in particular are important with Davenport. He's interesting in, in the sense that he's, he's worth $8 million off the team next year. And when you consider that, and that's just dead money with the cap. So he could actually potentially be cheaper to the saints on a long-term deal on the team than he would be off the team. And so as bad as he's been this year and as big of a disappointment as he's been, I do think it would be a good strategy to give him a low ball contract offer. Uh, if he accepts it and decides to return as, as a, maybe a sub player or a guy that needs to earn his reps back, uh, then it could be a good situation for the saints where he's paid a lot less. He's a lower cap number and you maybe keep a guy on the team that has some upside. Uh, but certainly if he gets a, uh, a contract that's much better than this hypothetical low ball offer in free agency and a team wants to snatch him away, uh, then I think you have to let him go. But he's kind of in an interesting spot that Teron Armstead was in last year where you've got all this dead money where maybe you do consider bringing him back just because of cap-wise what he's going to cost you if he doesn't come back. Ooh, can't wait for that half-sack production um, to, to, to be what puts him over the top. Quickly, I only got about 35 seconds. Pete Carmichael will be the OC for the 2023 season, yes or no? I lean towards no. Um, look, I, I think Andy Dalton had a career year. I think Taysom Hill had a career year. Uh, so in some ways, you, you should credit Pete Carmichael for maximizing some guys. And when you consider the injuries, I don't know how many offensive coordinators would have been successful under these circumstances. Uh, that being said, I think the offense is a little stale. Uh, sometimes change for the ch sake of change can be a good thing. And uh, I, I don't think Dennis Allen can be successful as a head coach unless he pairs himself with a great offensive coordinator and, and, and hopefully a franchise quarterback. So uh, my gut tells me they make a change, but I think it's much closer than to 50-50 than Saints fans would like to believe. All types of good news from Andrew. Yeah, bring back Davenport. Yeah, Pete Carmichael may still be here. Don't I can't. Andy Dalton. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew, appreciate your time, brother. Enjoy the rest of your week, my friend. Anytime. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Raymond. Hey, just a reminder, tune in tonight from 6 to 7 for the McNeese Coaches Show presented by Maplewood Burgers, line of bed out of Westlake and the Southwest Louisiana Law Center. Jim Gozzolo will be talking all things Cowboys, so tune in tonight starting at 6 for the McNeese Coaches Show right here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. We got to take a timeout. We'll wrap up today's show, finalize that poll question, get you set up for Kevin Foot and Footnotes. It's all next right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros.
We'll take a moment to thank our guest, Ron Higgins, the Mad Dog from Tiger Details, talking all things LSU with us. Jay Walker, longtime voice of the Louisiana Raging Cajuns, of course, talking Vermillion White, and then Andrew Juge from the Saints Happy Hour podcast, joining us to talk all things black and gold. Poll question of the day. It's our foodie poll question of the week. Do you put shredded cheese on the red beans and rice? Final results, 87% of you are sensible and say, no, I'm not crazy. 13%, a.k.a. Hannah's burner accounts, says, yes, it is delicious. Thanks to all who voted, to all who left your comments on the poll question of the day. We appreciate you. Even Hannah does. Even though you came out against her with your votes and you came out against her with your comments, she still got nothing but love for you and appreciates you being part of the show. How do you feel? How you feeling? Great I'll answer. Be all right. Great answer. I have to turn it up because I don't want anybody to hear me by chance. I'm I'm feeling feeling lovely. Feeling lovely, she says. There yeah. we go. I feel like the hand of Colts like disbanding, but you know it's no fine. one no one believes you. That'd <laughs> be all right. We, that's gonna do it for today's show. She's gonna, she's gonna be giving me the business off the air. I can guarantee you, it, it will happen. Coming up next, Kevin Foot in footnotes, but we'll be back on tomorrow six to nine. But until then, be safe out there. Be kind to one another. You're listening to the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros.